Today we have uh, Zelma Nelson, who was talking about triggers and how that impacts us as a couple and how that impacts how we communicate and how it impacts how we ourselves see ourselves in the couplehood. So let's just jump right into the topic. But first, mm -hmm. tell us a little about the work that you do. Um, I'm a social worker, uh, trained a lot in addictions, which has been very helpful. Uh, because people are there are substance addictions, but there's also you know uh, behavioral addictions and the emotions that we go through. So, um, but mostly I work online with people around the world. I do a lot of messaging therapy, which is which has given me a lot of access to a huge number of people, and then just generally start to see certain patterns. And my work has focused more and more and more of this idea of uh, of emotions. How do I what do I do with an emotion when I have it? Give me some tools, skills. How do I learn how to be me? And just this general idea that that we were we were kind of set up. We never got a chance to learn how to be ourselves. A lot of the therapy work is you know, learning those tools, how to be ourselves, because we're never asked to do something that we can't handle. And so I think the job of, is to help a person, you know, stand on their own two feet and uh, learn the skills they need to be themselves. So when we say be, be ourselves, what do you, can you expand on that a little bit? Well, how do I make it through the day? How do I talk to people? How do I communicate? What happens when I get really emotional about just processing things, you know, um, this is amazing. You know, the, the people that come into our life and the emotions that they're trying to put us in touch with. I, uh, the analogy I use a lot lately is the, the Amazon delivery guy keeps coming to the door and we're not letting him in and accepting the package, the packet, the messengers are these are the people around us and they're triggering a bunch of emotion in us. It's like a message they're delivering. And usually we spend time thinking about the messenger, but not so much about the message of like, wow, what was I feeling during that interaction? And so it's, but I'm, I'm with myself all day long, you know, I'm two souls, two cells, I'm an adult in a child part. How do I, what do I do? What, when I look inside inner space, as opposed to outer space, talking to other people, look inside, like, what am I going to find? What, what happens? What, what, what do I do next? So I love the idea of the, of the adult child and the inner child. So I want, I want to talk to that soon. When we talk about emotions as being the messenger, can you talk a little bit more about what we, what the power of emotions are? Sure, I, I think the message is the emotions. Like um, uh, we were saying that this idea that most often, I think people connect with this, still, especially with texting, they'll be like, and he said this emoji, and then I said this, and he texted that, and she texted, and we have the back and forth of a dialogue. And it's true, it's all true, but there's something lacking is what was going on for me emotionally during that. And then it can be very hard to process, especially when we're overwhelmed, like a wave of emotion is coming from us, feelings, emotions, we're having a strong reaction to the conversation that's going on. Could be because the issue, you know, we feel hurt or bothered by the person, could be I'm um, overreacting and there's something else deeper going on. It's triggering or recalling of some other issue. The, the issue in the moment feels familiar to something in the past, but that's the message. And so it's um, just that simple question. You can't in the moment because it's so intense, but to reflect back on is like, well, yeah, why was I so upset? What was I feeling in that moment? And often, oftentimes I have to tell, we, we don't have emotional vocabulary. We, we don't even know the words, like how, happy, sad, angry. You know, like, can we go a little deeper into it? But it's important to go deeper because we start to develop a real emotional vocabulary. We start to really hear ourselves as we put words to it. I, I literally tell people, you know, what were you feeling? And I get like a whole essay. Like, no, 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 turn your brain off. Try to get into the heart more and just look at a list and start giving me some feeling words. And all of a sudden it starts to click. I'm and feeling, feeling something very in the moment. Thinking. Yeah. If, if you have to explain, you know, well, I was feeling this because this and this, it's not wrong, but we're, we're trying to get less brainy and more, more heartfelt. So I usually tell people, and they're, not, they're also not aware of this, right? We say that the, the animal soul, that child self is embedded in the body. So it's like, well, take your brain and focus. Where were you feeling it? A lot of people aren't even aware of that, you know, is in the chest or my neck or wherever. But if I can get my brain focused somewhere else, I can just tune into a chart and start to notice and build up a vocabulary of what am I feeling, which parenthetically, by the way, that becomes powerful for communication because I want to communicate with emotions. When you do this, it makes me feel this, but that's, that's for the first, I got to feel, then you could deal first feel then deal. I love that feel then, then deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, the child and the adult mm -hmm. in you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Tanya in chapter six talks about the animal soul very, in, in, you know, chesed for in a very childlike manner. And it just, you know, I, what I think is so amazing about Hasidus is, is the creator saying, this is who you are. You, you, you know, psychology, 
we notice how people think, act, or how they speak, not how they think, but we don't really, psychology doesn't really know the inner workings of a person because you can't dissect the soul. And psychology literally means study of the soul, but only the creator could tell us. And the time just does such an amazing job saying, hey, this is who you are. It's two souls, two beings, and these three garments that I have control over. And so to me, it just started to really click. And especially psychology, you know, is very into this inner child, but just seeing that animal soul, plus the godly soul comes down to work with that animal soul, you know, and so I, I see that when I start telling people it's an adult and a child, all of a sudden everybody really connects to it, it really clicks, you know, or at least I, I oh, okay, so I'm looking inside, I'm looking for two parts, it's helpful because uh, there's a wave of, you know, bunches of emotions as I look inside, but, you know, there's a part of me that's pretty clear and focused and confident, and there's this other part that's like really nervous or insecure or fearful, all of a sudden I start my mind realizing, okay, this goes here and that goes there. Um, but even with Gentiles, this idea that got two different parts, which is a, a separate topic, but to say an adult and a child part. But I think because we know for sure that we're two, that we have two souls, it's like, oh yeah, absolutely. But now what do I do with that? How do I practically work with that? So I think Dr. Rebbe gave it to us. What's that? So how is that an example of how the child and the adult are happening at the same time? Well, <clears throat> I think it develops over time because if you think about it, that the the adult part, the godly soul part, I'm just going to call it adult and child, but adult is godly soul and and the child self is 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 animal soul. But you know, until you're 12 years old, 13 years old, is that 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 adult part is there but silent, and so that child part of me is absorbing a lot of the messages. You know, we naturally come into the world looking to the people around us. Who am I? Am I good? Am I loved? Am I worthwhile? Am I deserving? Am I valid? And so a lot of the work, it's it's. As when people are struggling, you know, and they're really having a hard time, it's really like the child part's out of control and that adult part is kind of quiet and we've got to access it much more. But um, the triggering that goes on, like for example, anytime a person, you know, when I work with couples, I'll say, what's your most typical common argument or disagreement? And what we start to notice is there's four voices there. You know, let's just say typical, she asks him to take out the garbage, he keeps forgetting. So it makes sense, she's, a, she's upset, but you go deeper, why is this such a big issue? And why, did, why is the, the response of each of them disproportionate? What's the big deal? You didn't take out the garbage. Okay, you forgot again. Okay, but anytime there's an overreaction, a reaction makes sense. I asked you, you didn't do it. But an overreaction means, okay, it's not for you, it's for me, I got to tune in. And very often I'll find like, she's feeling abandoned, the same abandoned feelings that she felt as a child growing up, like mom was there, but not tuned into me, emotional abandonment, or uh, a sibling was sick a lot, and so mom wasn't around. And it's, so the past is present those same feelings that we have are still with us right now. It's that same kid part. And so we don't realize it at first, and then, you know, therapy and personal growth could be about learning these two different parts. Um, but that's one way in which you see those two parts. I think the adult part is very, is here to be the parent. It's almost to reparent that kid, you know, to take over the job. I think a lot of times people struggle with their parents or with in-laws or whatever you keep, particularly parents, but you keep going back to them, you know, I'm 25, I'm still waiting for you to validate me. It's like, look, it's just not gonna happen. I need to validate myself. There is a part of us that knows we're good, that we're talented, that we're capable. That's our adult part, it's very clear. But, you know, when someone gives you a compliment, there's a part of it's like, yeah, it's true. But the stronger reaction is the kid that's like, wow, if that feedback is true, well, then maybe I, I am good, but I'm still stuck in real thinking that I'm not good and I'm not valid. And that's why a lot of people who compliments really brings it out where you said like, uh, no, no, I got lucky. You know, it's very uncomfortable to, to accept that feedback. But as we start to think about it more, and I find also like a therapist or a counselor or a friend who's impartial, you know, their objective, you tell them the story, they can, they'll, ref, they'll say things to you and, and it, some things will click. That adult part inside of you feels that also. It's just, I need to hear it verbalized and we can start to amplify that part of ourselves. Ideally, the kid just wants to be heard. And that's what happens when we tune into things. I literally give people a feelings chart. So just, just go through the list. <laughs> if it fits, it fits. And as that part starts to feel heard more, it starts to heal again. But that adult part, it's, like, it's almost like a parent. And, and that's what we, we talk about, reparenting our inner child. That's where it comes from. You know, guiding myself, coaching myself, self-soothing, encouraging myself, um, being compassionate with myself when I made a mistake. Be like, yeah, I did, I did make a, you know, I didn't get it right, but I did my best. And what can I learn from it now? You know, these things have to be practiced and there's constant opportunities. Yashkachapath is amazing, but it's, we just need these tools to know what to do when these things come up. So what are some of those tools that someone can actually evaluate what just happened and how can I tap into where it might have, what it might have triggered for me? 
Um, well, my site, I offer, you know, a life patterns assessment, you know, just, I don't think people necessarily, uh, it's, it's just a helpful tool, but it's, it's, it's can be hard to realize like, okay, I had experiences as a kid, many were good, somewhere and I was affected by it, or maybe something traumatic happened when I was in school or whatever, but I'm still carrying that with me. And so I, I offer that, it's just a, it's one, it's a cognitive behavioral technique that I modified it just gives people information of how did, is the past really still with me? How is it things I learned about who I am as a person, good and otherwise, how does that continue to affect the relationships I have with people, um, my emotions, my experiences? So that's one place is to start to get some insight. Sometimes it can be hard to realize. And a lot of times people tell me, I don't have any memories. I don't have any connection with memories, which is why it's pretty amazing. So the, the next part is just dealing with emotion. But, but when we say that the past is present, like, Unlike psychology, you know, that, that typical uh, knock on psychology, you know, is, you know, we have to go into the past and get lost. You really don't have to. That, that the emotional experiences that I had, I'm still stuck with from childhood will come up again with my partner. Like there's no, there's no perfect partner, but there's a partner who's perfect for you. So, so one is just general awareness, ideas, information. I am too. So as I'm feeling, oh, wow, what, which one is which? I don't know, but at least I'm thinking that way. Um, and some initial insight and some education about, you know, how my past, you know, affected myself. And any books that are out there that talk about inner child stuff or working through emotionality can start to give people insight. You don't have to know your past in order to be present, because like I said, that, that animal soul child stuff is here. It's the same one that was there. It's here with me now. But that's why I take people to emotions. Um, and that was a chart I shared with you. It's just literally like, okay, you know, an hour after I had a fight, like, okay, wait a minute, let me process this. And it literally takes, you know, like a minute, but it's like, okay, where in the body was I feeling it? If you know, great, focus there. If not, you, you'll start to build up an awareness and insight to it, but just keep your focus there. And, I, and the chart just takes people through a list or Google images has plenty of feelings charts. I need that I can turn my brain off to into what I was feeling and start putting words to it. So if there are words there that you don't know, just keep on moving. It's, I want to build a vocabulary. Because when you're talking to somebody, you see, the thing is, is, it's a little weird. I'm connecting to a part of myself. I'm building a new relationship with a part of myself. It's a little abstract. And so, but, but anything you know about relationships um, can apply to connecting to this part of ourselves. So like if someone's talking to me and I just say, <clears throat> you know, uh-huh, yeah, I hear you. I'm hearing them. But if I say, wow, that sounds really frustrating and I put a word to it, now we're more deeply connected. So I find that that's, that's really the path is starting to get words. But... It's too hard. People can't often can't jump into it. Some people can. Um, and again, it's not in the moment you're being triggered. It's kind of, you know, breathe and try to make it through it. But, but it's like later on reflecting, what was I feeling during that interaction, during that argument, during that disagreement? But that can be hard for people. So, so then, so I, a step before that would be, I'm going backwards, but a step before that would just be simply like, wow, what am I feeling? Or what was I feeling then? Just wondering, and you won't have an answer. But at least you're asking. And as you practice, like anything, whatever we practice gets stronger. But the truth is I found even that is hard for people. And I have people just breathing, literally starting to breathe. It's the most effective technique. Feel the air come in and feel the air go out. Like you could do it now. As, as I'm talking, if you start paying attention to air coming in and going out, you don't have to be spiritual. You don't have to meditate. Just feel the air. You're now focused on you rather than me. And so this is, this is tuning into myself. And I, I, what I'm finding with people, especially people, a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic attacks is just learning to orient into myself to just tune in. We're so focused on everyone around us and, and the back and forth and the discussion and why did he do that or she say this and that's the outer space, but to tune into inner space. And so that's what I, I teach people is, is just start noticing your breath. Besides the fact that it really works and you just get calmer and you could do it anytime, but you're building up, a, you're increasing your sensitivity to yourself. You're getting used to tuning into yourself. And as you start to do that, naturally start to say, oh yeah, what am I feeling? And then naturally after that, you can say, oh, you know, I have that chart from Zaman. Let me take a look. Or let me go to Google Images and any feelings chart, anything that gives me words to start naming it. And the reason that's important, just the two points, is that's where we practice validation. And that's where we practice um, unconditional acceptance. And that's really the two main things that our inner part is really struggling with. But as I name the feelings, I notice my feelings. It's very validating. When my kids come to me and they're upset and I stop what I'm doing and I tune into them, I'm basically saying implied message. You count, you matter, I'm tuning in. We can do that for ourselves. And as, as we notice what we feel, let's say I'm feeling, wow, I'm feeling really insecure. I'm feeling really jealous. I'm almost embarrassed to admit to myself I'm feeling that. But I don't put myself down. I don't judge myself. I'm now practicing unconditional acceptance. And so these are the tools I give to people 
Um, and they'll come back to me and you know, sometimes they want to talk it out, you know, help me process a session, but these things need to be practiced. Here's the tools, go for it. You know, I really believe when Hashem said, I'll never give you a challenge that you can't handle. It means also being with myself or healing this kid part, but the, the transformation is pretty profound. People start feeling much more solid, secure, um, less emotionally needy. Um, they can enjoy validation externally when they get it, but they're not crushed without it. Um, and this is where you know, we're, they're much more tuned into those triggers. So that you find that you know that you're getting there when you're in similar triggering situations and you're, you're just not as emotionally reactive as you used to be. You really said, it used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so angry. And then it turns into what's going on with them. They have a real struggle with something. It totally flips because I got the message. What was the message? The feelings that come up as I have this regular argument with this person or a disagreement with that one. So is it valuable uh, for a spouse to share what they're feeling or like even like where that feeling might be coming from? What, where from the childhood is that coming from? So the spouse understands what the triggers in them and maybe they can do some things differently or be more validated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this, this is usually the game changers for us. Like, okay, we're both in this together. We're both going to perfectly trigger the heck out of each other, but not to drive each other nuts. This is part of the beauty of a relationship. You know, you dated, which means you, you checked out all the red flags, but it doesn't mean that there's, you know, we're on a honeymoon the rest of our life. Now stuff can come up, but it's, it's what I call negotiables and non-negotiables. There's non-negotiables, like we're just not a good partner. You know, I don't want a cat. I don't, I can't deal with a smoker. Okay, forget it. But the negotiables are the stuff that comes, we're meant to trigger each other and, and we can help each other out, you know? So without that, people will really react intensely. And like I said, one of the keys is overreaction. Because I noticed that um, sometimes if somebody overreacts, the other person wants to nullify the whole thing. Well, you're overreacting, so it doesn't matter. I was like, no, no, they're both true. I did you wrong and you're upset, but the, and that's on me. But the overreaction is for you to take a look at, but you can now work together, you know? And once you put a word to it, of, of, it usually comes down to a word. It's, it's um, wow, I'm, a, I'm working with abandonment, you know, or I'm validation or something. You know, they can start to become key words. You know, I, uh, the life pattern assessment that I managed, I, that I mentioned, uh, I, I like when both, both spouses do it because then they can read it and they see what each of them are working together. But this is like, we know we're going to trigger each other. Let's work on it, you know? Or then you have a, you're, you're getting upset and, 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 and then you're both able to say like, whoa, we're in a trigger moment. We are in a trigger. Okay, let's come back to this in a half hour. It's kind of like an understanding that's in there because we're not meant to suffer like this. We're meant to use these opportunities to, to grow both ourselves and to, and to help our partner. Plus, like I said before, as I'm getting more in touch with my feelings, now I could say, hey, instead of, you know, you're such a jerk, you never take the garbage and I'm so upset. I'm quite, it's like, I feel really um, unsupported when I ask you to take out the garbage and you don't do it. And, you know, and I wish instead you would or whatever it is. That's an effective conversation. And the person can say, I hear you, I'm sorry, you know, but it's more hearable. But we, we just transform it. It's great when people can partner together. It's, it doesn't make you bad or, or broken. It, you're normal. And when the person you have married is the perfect person for you to do this work and you for them. We just need people to have these tools to, to get in touch with yourself. People have to be relationship ready. Part of that is being aware of this inner stuff that I'm going through. Not every time you don't take out the garbage means I'm being abandoned, but it's a part of me that struggles with abandonment. And both are true. I think that the point that you said that triggers are a given in a relationship, it's going to happen. So don't freak out that it is happening. Now just use it as an opportunity to learn a little bit more about yourself and about your spouse. Yes. And if you can have, if you can hear the other one, your spouse saying that this, you triggered something in me, I feel abandoned. It's not so much on you, it's on me, but as my spouse, please support me in that area that's my weakness or my limitation. Right. So, well, this is a mistake a lot of people make is, is that I feel abandoned and I'm not in touch with it. And I want you to make me feel non-abandoned. It doesn't work that way. You need to be a clique. You need to work on that inner kid and help her or him feel abandonment is like, I'm not deserving of people to really be there for me authentically. I can't trust and rely on it. Well, I have to not abandon myself. That's this work of tuning into myself. And so when I'm a clee, and then my partner is trying to do things that are the opposite of abandonment, you know, to really tune in or to be present is very powerful. It's not about, I don't need anybody. It's, it's, I need to do it myself. I need to learn validation. Then I can enjoy validation from you. I need to get secure. And then I can enjoy your efforts to help me feel secure. The problem is where I'm not in touch with it. And then I, and, and I keep trying to make my partner do it for me. 
So and it's not fear on the partner because they don't know. I mean, we all come in with with something that triggers something that's yeah. needing to grow from our spouse, and it's not fear for them yes. to have to try to figure it out without you. I mean, it's so much easier for everybody if you are in tune and then you can ask for it or just mention yeah. this is this is my place, this is my space. Or you work together. We work together that the husband could say, you know, I noticed every time because we have blind spots, right? There's stuff we know about ourselves and we disclose because other people don't know, but there are blind spots. There's stuff that I don't know, but other people see who sees you more than your spouse. There's so much valuable feedback that if we're on it, on the same team, we're in it together. We're both trying to grow. We both are, it's not a blame game. It's about contribution versus blame. I really like this word contribution. We're both contributing over here. Me with my validation issue and you with your abandonment and this garbage issue is not going anywhere. But that's the surface level conversation. If the, the deeper is we're both in this together. We're both, we both brought baggage with us, you know? So let's and help everyone ourselves, has help each other. Yeah. Or stuff. If you don't like baggage, because that's yeah. like the negative connotations. Like I got my stuff. You got your stuff. I got my stuff. But it's normal. It's just that that nobody talks about these things. Or thank God, people are talking about it more. You get this sense of well, everyone else seems to have it going on, and they get they, they're they're fine. What's wrong with me? That's no. It's extremely normal. Listen, this animal soul is my life's work to heal, to grow, to mentor, to tutor, to parent, to love, to accept. That's. Now this soul doesn't need any work. It's this animal soul. What does that look like? Well, we know with Torah mitzvahs, we know what the Tanya speaks about, but in the day-to-day -day emotional stuff, it's it's certain things. Why did you have the parenting that you did? Why do you have the experiences that you experienced? So, you know, and, and it's made you who you are, and then you could work through it, but it makes you stronger. And the cool thing I find is as people do this work, they they what uh, what emerges is a superpower. Some people are extremely sensitive but they're out of balance. They give too much to others. They don't take enough for themselves, for example. But it's always something really beautiful that waits for you that you're really good at, that you've, in the past, was a, just a defense mechanism, you know? Like if, let's say, I'm, I'm desperate for people's validation, so I'm really tuned into others, and I'm, I really enjoy giving, let's say. But it's out of balance. I don't take care of myself. But that's, we can, we can get to that place and really celebrate that and really enjoy um, these skills. But it's meant to be, you know? If everything, if everything is a shkakapratis, it really means everything is, you know, meant to be as it is. We just we need these tools and, and insight and awareness how to deal with it. So uh, when a spouse notices uh, something that might be going on, or like you said, the blind spot. So how would let's let's just say the husband is noticing in the wife, but it goes both ways. I'm just saying, just just for verb, just for language. So the husband notices something in the wife. How might he bring it up in a way? that is sensitive is um, and what kind of culture should we be creating in our marriages that we can be ready to hear what the other one says or even invite it? Um, I don't know, it depends on where the people are coming from, you know? Like, let's say if I'm talking to Shluchim, sometimes I tell them like, look, you two wear different hats. So you need a business meeting once a week, you know, and you also need to have like a partner meeting, you know, and like, we're gonna give each other feedback, a piece of comfortable and uncomfortable feedback, you know, something I really like about what you're doing and something I noticed. Um, uh, so, but this depends on where people are holding. Um, like I said, as somebody starts spending time with a feelings chart, for example, you start to, you develop your own vocabulary about how you feel. And then I encourage people to use what's called I feel statements, name the, name the words that were said or the action, and then, and then say, and it, it made me feel like this or that. And that's a full sentence. We're not used to that. We don't, we don't realize that. It, just, it depends on the culture. Uh, you know, if some people have, they have a date night that go out and just like, you know, we'll give each other feedback. It, it, it depends on how it comes up. It shouldn't be in a, you know, in the middle of an argument, by the way, you know, there's that time we do this and this, but like, how do we help people become partners to realize that they're in it together, that you thriving and succeeding, healing, maturing, evolving is great for me also, you know? And so I think, you know, opportunities like this to talk about and get these ideas out there, um, help people grow. But I think the key very often is each person has to work on becoming relationship ready. Let's say your partner doesn't want to do any of this work, but you could feel it. You doing your own work will be mashpia on them indirectly. You do your part, right? And it has an impact on the person. For example, let's say every time that person has a certain behavior very, that's very triggering to me, you know, they come late and they don't call, you know? So that's a messenger, giving a message. What do I feel when that happens? Typically, there's an argument. You always come up late, you didn't call, you know? But if a person says, okay, you know, we need to go to therapy and work on this. No, I'm not interested, okay. So, so let's say she, just for argument's sake, so she said, okay, well, I need to, what am I feeling when that happens? And what will happen is if she on her own will do that work, okay? And it can go male or female either way. But she's tuning into those feelings regularly, you know? 
because you'll start to notice there are other times I feel that. And it's not just your spouse, it's siblings, parents, friends, coworkers, all the people, of all the people on the planet who are in your life, who are these people who are in your life? It's for a reason. But as she starts to tune in, what happens is, is that it will still happen that let's say comes home late without calling or something. She doesn't react. She's much less emotionally reactive. It's like the Amazon guy came to deliver the package. I finally let him in the door which were these emotions, and I tuned into it. I don't need you to deliver anything anymore. And so you start to find you're in the same exact situation, but you're not emotionally reactive. And as you're turning into what you've, so, so the payoff isn't there, you know? He probably has an issue of like, uh, you know, it feels like he's, he's not a good person, or he's, he's you know, he's, he's invalid. He's not, he's not validated. So subconsciously, he's actually creating a situation where he can make somebody upset. It feels familiar. Well, what if she doesn't react anymore? There's no payoff, you know? certain kids will act out because they want attention, right? So, so we've got to focus there. If I keep giving you attention, you're just going to keep doing it. So, there, so, so people can work on this on their own and then they, they stop reacting similarly. And that person then is, you know, he has his emotions, but he's not reacting as much. And so now there's an opportunity that he can also say, oh, wow, you know, I, I need an another way to deal with these emotions that I have. But very much, it depends on where people are holding, but you can make a big difference, you know, just doing the work on your own or work together and it's also very effective. Right. So if we're talking to newlyweds uh, who are creating their culture of their marriage, because mm -hmm. they're that new, how might yeah. they start a, a conversations or, this, or set up a, such a culture? Um, I think the date night is so important. I think just that foundation of connection, you know, that we're, yeah, no, it's just not spoken about enough. Um, I think that could be helpful because then it's a set time to, to talk and to communicate. But um, I think, you know, if you're asking um, how to, you know, I have created a, a curriculum for it because I'm so busy people coming while they're already triggered and struggling, but it would be better to, you know, to work through it. But um, I think, I think what you can do is you can process some, you know, you can, you can take an incident that occurred. I think people should know, okay, the honeymoon will end. There will be a moment that your, your partner makes you upset. So let's just, you know, we'll just agree that when something makes me upset or you upset, we'll talk about it or, or we will have a time once a week where we talk about, you know, that kind of stuff. Because I really, that contrary to what some people I think, like this is like 80-20, like 20% 20 of the time, maybe you want to get into emotional stuff or every stuff. 80% of the time you need to be having fun, enjoying, connecting, positive. But I think that could be, you know, one way to do it is because it's an actual event. So, you know, so someone left dishes in the sink and it was frustrating to the other. So it's like, well, let's process it. You know, I have my view, you have your view, what was going on. It really bothered me, but like just an agreement, like, okay, when something upsetting comes up, let's, let's agree to like process it together and try to get at what we were feeling inside. Cause I can't know what you think and feel, and you can't know what I think and feel. So let's just decide we'll have one time a week where we give each other feedback or we together process an event, or I'll bring an incident that occurred and we can talk it out where I'll share my feelings or my inner experience. And then you could share your view because I've got my blind spots, you know, your blind spot about me and I'm blind spot about you. You don't know how I think and feel when I see the dishes, right? But there was something going on for you that I also don't know. And I think by, when you take incidents that occur, well, there was a clear incident that happened. So now we can both process together. That might be a way for people to start to do it, you know, and just a general willingness. Mayor yeah. Koch, how am I doing? Especially, so I think I think especially in the beginning is like how are we how am I doing as a husband to you as a wife to you and you know how are we doing as we're trying yeah. to create the culture here as we're trying to create the relationship we're starting off knowing each other a little bit and mm -hmm. just with time there's going to be triggers there's going to be yeah. things that happen in the beginning there was no dishes because everyone was washing them so nicely and then eventually right. <laughs> there are dishes and right. that's when the story starts coming up it could be sooner it could be later but there's going to be right. something if there's it is going to be something and i think that's something that young people need to know is that there is always going to be something it's inevitable it's the way it's designed right. almost, that we are i think i think together. people want to and they can if it, i think what they need is very often people need a nusach you know like there are conversation starters you can take with you on it because you have to keep dating each other right people forget that like oh the wedding's over so we're good no 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 we have to keep learning about each other well okay now you know before kids come and the bills so like it's easier to connect with each other but 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 there's so much available online and I, I can find more resources and share with you but there's 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 new socks for for starting conversations like 
if you could have dinner with any famous figure, who would it be? Like, oh, interesting. You know, it's not always negative. We can build a connection through positive as well. Especially that inner kid part, by the way. It's not just the uncomfortable emotions put me in touch with my kid, but things I purely love and I enjoy. That's also that kid part. But another thing is feedback, ways in which to give feedback. So like, I, I, you know, I have a whole list of them, but, but the, the, oftentimes I think people feel more comfortable. It's kind of like fill in the blanks. Like one of them is called stop, start, continue. Give each other feedback. Something you should stop, something you should start, and something you should continue. You can go positive or negative on any of them. You know, or you can simply say, okay, give each other a piece of comfortable and uncomfortable feedback. You know, sometimes that's hard for people. So using uh, a kind of fill in the blank, so to speak, or like the I feel statements, you know, when you this, I feel this. I think that helps people learn to express, communicate. Because then what happens is we see, is it safe or not? And I'll share something and I'll see that you treat it with respect. Now I feel more safe. I feel even more trusting. So that could be a good way for people to do it. So actually, Adeyad is having a series of date night conversation starters on different topics. Great. And, Great. Yeah. And I'll put a link to your um, emotions uh, vocabulary. Adeyad also has, a, I also have our own on our website. I wonder how similar right. or different they are. Uh, but I think that the power of the uh, matching the event and the intensity of your feelings, the right word, you know, like not saying just sad, but getting to more nuance. Was it irritated? Yeah. Was it frustration? I think it's so important. And yes. creating a culture of, I can share what I'm feeling based on your reaction. And I think that one of the things that people think all the time is that there's always the negatives, but I think that some people have a hard time sharing the positive emotions too. Sure, sure. Well, you bring a feelings chart. I, you know, I've got one chart is, you know, comfortable and uncomfortable emotions. Uh, one of them I have is increasing degrees of intensity, positive and uncomfortable. Bring the chart into the conversation. Give me feedback using a feeling word, you know, on the spot. Pick one feeling word, you know, so that we're if we allow ourselves to get help, you know. I think that's just like to destigmatize de it. You're not expected to know everything, but you're normal, you know, and allow yourself to have some tools. But I think we have to create maybe something else. I don't know that I, I, don't, I have a site that you can just go to for like, examples of uh, you have to set the conversation starters but uh, uh, for feedback how to get feedback so we, uh, we actually did something so in the past and I, I want to bring it back up to the like back more present we did something in the past about of giving feedback receiving feedback you know because it's one thing to give it nicely but the other person still has to be able to receive in order for there to be a, yeah. a culture of safety of giving the feedback and right with your spouse as someone who, who loves you and wants the best for you, not to pick on you, but it's actually bringing right. it out for the best of you and the best of the family and the couplehood. Uh, so generally it's a, a good person to be want to be asking for feedback until, uh, un mm -hmm. unless there's a culture, a downward spiral in the culture right. where everyone's blaming and then there's some work to do to get it back on track. But uh, yeah, but along with this, an interest is a desire, you know? I, th I think that I think that we can we can bring our spouse into it if they're not yet into it, and like I said, we could do our own work, uh, you know, and be less triggered by them, reacted to them. We can do that work, and there's a lot of great stuff. Like I used to run groups, and so there's a lot of great, um, you know, fill in the blank type sentences. Sometimes it's hard for people to share, and it's like, okay, let's. If there's a commitment, there's a willingness. And I think the psychoeducation of like this is normal, this is what to expect. And so I think people can when given a bunch of tools can pick and see what really works for them. You know, definitely something is better than nothing. Um, but if you have, if you have a sheet, you know, get it out there. But it, yeah, giving feedback is, a, is, is, a, is important. Um, but it's part of very much giving feedback to somebody else. This also has to be part of me being in touch with myself because the most powerful feedback is to share with somebody. When you're doing this, it's making me feel this way. Usually the person has no idea. They have no awareness. And so now that you know, you know that if you're going to do more of X, it's going to cause me to feel negatively like this. If you do more of Y, it'll make me feel positive this way. I'm giving you tools now to make choices. So when we talked about uh, before that the trigger something of our early memories, is there value in actually sharing the episodes or just like when I, when you do that, it makes me feel, I feel, not makes me, I feel the emotion or should we actually go back and share the childhood memory that it came from? if we know it. I don't think you have to. Like I said, you don't have, that's what's so amazing about this is that kid part that was then is with me right now. So in that moment when, you know, my spouse is bringing out feelings of, uh, 
frustration or abandonment that, that by putting words to the feelings that's where sometimes people start to reclaim memories or get back in touch with memories because of, wow that's a familiar feeling sometimes I have people just journal it and keep it to themselves but you don't have to know memories you don't have to know oh I'm feeling this now because I felt that you don't have to it's the same kid part that's why you don't have to get back you know some people are I don't want to go you know therapy and go through my whole past and it was uncomfortable okay not a problem it's because that kid, the past is present like I said that kid part is here now even if you are aware of those you know those memories or emotions I don't think you have to share I mean so much of this work is between ourselves the creator is watching but I don't think we have to share memories, but you certainly can. I think you get a lot of compassion and understanding. I think that's a big piece. We're not at fault for what we've been through up until now. We did, you know, as a kid, we, we, you know, we were on our own emotionally trying to figure it out. We just had this, you know, child self. So it's not our fault. Now as an adult, it's up to us, you know, to, to start healing our stuff. But there could be value, you know, in the, in the, in the, if you feel that you'd like to share so your, your spouse better understands you, because it's not your fault what you went through so, so you know it could be helpful for the person to understand but i don't you don't have to and it's a, a lot of people don't have blocked out memories because they just didn't know how to handle it or deal with it they're not ready to get in touch with it and, and that's also okay because those same emotions will come up now i mean eventually people can usually connect they start connecting say wow i felt when have you felt that before i've done this with people you know but you don't have to just because the emotions you feel in the moment are that kid self the trigger is all about putting is a gift it's a message putting in touch with that kid self. But I'll ask people, in the last year, who else did you feel those feeling words with? And they go, oh, yeah, this one I was working with. Yeah. And what about earlier? You know, and it eventually goes back to, to childhood. Oh, I have a memory. I remember this time. or Because memories, you know, it's not just one time it happened. Memories are indicative of just a general emotional environment in which we grew up. It had an impact on us. I want to know what it is. I can work through it. So what I'm understanding then is that don't, don't poke into your spouse's childhood if they don't want to share it. Like it's okay. As long as you can work with the emotion, we don't have to know where it came from and you don't have to help them come back to it. And they don't like, it's the, the story is not as important as working as knowing what the emotion is. Yes. It'll come with time. It comes up sometimes like all of a sudden, boom, one little memory comes up and then another one. Cause sometimes that stuff was packed away and hidden because I didn't have the tools and the ability to handle, but now I'm growing. And I have a partner, you know, who's understanding. So, so it's an amazing system, the body, the soul, the emotions. It's like when we, when we can't handle it, it's the, the spigot is turned off. And then as we start to do things, especially with the breathing, a lot of people start with breathing and whoa, there's like waves of emotions start to, you know, or they notice things about themselves they didn't notice before, but you do not have to know that. You don't have to do, tell me about your mother. You don't have to say, let's get lost in the past. That's contrary. That's the, that's the beauty of the tiny is that it's, it's here and now. That same kid part then is here with me now. It could help you gain insight because the job is I need to build a relationship with that part. Most of the struggles, the issues, the addictions, we're avoiding. What are we avoiding? Facing that part because I got a message that I'm bad, I'm horrible, and I don't know how to deal with it. And so this is about stopping from running and tuning in and just being present. Let's say someone does share a hard memory or a hard childhood. Mm -hmm. How might the spouse react? Or more importantly, how should they not react to an old story? Right. So, th so this starts to change as you do your own emotional work. But I do notice that it's not people's fault. But like when we're uncomfortable with our own emotions, we will be uncomfortable with other people's emotions. So I'll see a lot of WhatsApp groups where somebody will share a pain they're going through. And there's a bunch of people who mean well, and they're beautiful souls. They'll jump in and start giving advice. Deal with it, fix it. This, and, and it's really, all we need to do is listen. Just be present. You could be attentive, say, uh-huh, nod. You, you could say, I imagine you feel, you don't have to. But when a person is sharing something painful, it just needs to be heard. And you need to convey that you're there and present. I find that when people realize, like, I don't have to play therapist. I don't have to analyze them. I don't have to fix it. No, you don't. You just have to be present. You know, it's like when one of my little children come and they, they bump their knee, they just want to be held. And then when they're ready, they go back to playing. That, that part is the same way, both for me with myself or me trying to be there for somebody else. It's just listen, first feel, and then you do. You can ask, do you want feedback? You know? But uh, what I've seen sometimes people like say, like when someone's saying something that my brother my parent was heart was horrible to me and then the other person's adding more yeah and they still do that and i think again yeah. he's still treating you like that and you shouldn't let him treat you like that yeah 
and that becomes the wrong, I think that's in the category of what not to do, what not to say. Well, it's triggering. If a person is saying it, it means that they're also being triggered. So the, the more that we get secure and valid within ourselves by tuning into that kid part, the more I can just allow somebody to speak. And I, I don't need to share or say something or fix something to feel valid. I already feel good about me. Now I can really be present. So a lot of good things happen all at once, but, but it's just to listen. It's just to hear the person. You know, you can ask afterwards. I mean, that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, you can ask. First you feel, then you deal. So they're speaking and you're just tuning in. You can say, you know, would you like some feedback or can I share something afterwards? Asking for permission is really powerful. Job, the job, your job, first and foremost, as your spouse is doing emotional work, is just to be present and hear and convey to them that you're hearing what they're saying. No fixing, no advice, no, you know, certainly no judgment. It's just, just here. You don't have to fix anything. And in, in fact, just the listening and tuning in is deeply healing because if you're listening to them, certainly they can start to listen to themselves. And what about the wording? Like, it makes sense, like coming up, bringing it up later. It makes sense that you feel that way because of something that some private personal old story. Is that a good right. thing or not a good thing to do? So, so I, the, the way I coach people on that is, is many people are very sensitive and they're very tuned in, but they cross a the line. They think because I have a sense, and very often they're right. I have a sense that you feel this or think this because of this. I've analyzed you perfectly. I've got you wrapped up in a box. So therefore I'm gonna tell you what I think. Go with it, but change your wording. Say, I wonder if this and this, I was thinking this and noticing this. What do you think about that? But never analyze, never assess, never give up sock, but certainly share. I mean, that's so beautiful. I was really thinking about you and I was wondering if this and this are connected. Like, really, you, were you took time from your day to think about me? That's very loving, but I'm not telling you how to feel. I'm just, I'm, I wonder, I'm curious. What do you think? So it's kind of open-ended, but I'm not telling you what to think or feel. Mm -hmm. The I wonder rather than it makes sense that. Yeah, I'm telling you, like I'm analyzing you and I might be right or not, but I find it's much more effective to just kind of put it out there. You know, as a sensitive person, trust what you feel, trust what you see, but, but express it as, you know, as a curiosity. First of all, you're not going to be right all the time. But second, it was much more hearable uh, to, to express it in that way. Could be the person hasn't even thought about it themselves, but because you threw it out there, as I wonder, it leaves them the, the Bihira to say no, but then later to think about it and kind of, you know, that's where they come back, you know, weekly and be like, oh my gosh, I had this great insight. Like I said that to you a week ago. Like, okay, <laughs> don't say that. Main thing, no, no. <laughs> Told no, you so. Yeah, it's not, but this is, there's so much power. Everybody around us has so much valuable information to share. If only we could be trusting and open enough, you know, first to be strong and confident with ourselves, valid ourselves, but then to invite feedback. And I think there's a big struggle with this unconditional acceptance. If I do good, I am good. If I do bad, then I am bad. And so therefore it's very hard to hear feedback because if I admit that I made a mistake, it means I'm bad. This work of tuning into your feelings, besides validating yourself, it also gives yourself unconditional acceptance. Because like I said, when I notice what I feel and I just accept it, I go along with it, I allow it to be, I start really unconditionally accepting myself that I am good, period. Okay, now I can really take a look at that. And, yeah, I did make a mistake. And so we have to practice that. We can build ourselves up to it. That black and white thinking. That black and white thinking is very, it slows people down. It's like, I'm, I yeah. am this or that instead of all yeah. those grays and colors in between. Yeah, we want to get off that merry-go-round. So uh, there's another book I found, especially people who are in active relationships with their parents and they're learning to become their own parent, to detach and stop going to the parents. It's um, Adult Children of Emotionally Mature Parents. And then she has a follow-up book also that's excellent. It goes right along with this type of work. It's very validating. I like books, I, I, you know, whatever interests you go for it, you know, it all fits together. It all comes to support. You know, so um, especially because I'm working with people, I want all the growth happens between the sessions. So I want people to have as many tools that they can in between to, to try things out and to come back and discuss it and talk about it. But that's, a, that's also a good resource. And I think she, yeah, she came up with a follow-up book. A lot of people have a hard time separating from parents, especially you have to because you're now married. And so this, this new unit has to be primary importance and having a healthy boundary and you know, I'm still trying to get validation from mom or, you know, acknowledgement from dad. And it, it gets very confused. So that's a helpful, you know, resource, but it fits in with all this work. It's a transition to, I, I'm really, I need to parent me. And I have a partner who can do it, uh, you know, with who me. can be there for me. But not for me. 
with me. Yeah, with me because a, a, a partner has um, very deep emotional access to us. So some things we didn't get as a kid that were was a pain or a struggle, we can go back into that with an emotional partner, an intimate partner, and really get healing. So if I finally learn to, to validate myself, which comes from tuning into the feelings regularly practicing it, um, and then I start getting feedback, validating feedback from my partner who I trust, has very deep access to me, those two together is very powerful. I'm a cleave for it. And I'm getting it from somebody outside of me that I really trust. That's where we heal. And if we're not yet getting it from the other part, from my partner, because they're not, they're not yet in tune with their own emotions and don't know how to give it, can we, how might we ask for it? Or can we ask for it? You can ask for it, but it's, it's, you have to start giving it to yourself. The things you want from others, people will treat us the way we treat ourselves, whether it's conscious or not. It's almost like broadcast out to the universe, but people will treat us the way we treat ourselves. So if I'm abandoning myself, I'm not tuning into what I feel, you know, not being there for myself. I'm not learning to practice validating myself. It's kind of hard to turn around and then ask people to, to validate me. Um, yeah. And so, but I do find that these go together because what happens as you start to validate yourself, for example, the way you start to interact with people is very different. That needy, pleading desperation, let's say, that a lot of people have to be validated in every conversation, it starts to fade, starts to tone down. The way we talk, the way we interact changes. Um, and, and then we can ask for it or things start to change. The people around us will also start to shift automatically. Sometimes you'll find people will notice the change and really go along and be on board with it. Other people will, uh, not, not a spouse, let's say, because you can't just cut them off. But, you know, you have some friends who just only were friendly with you when you were in this old way, you know, very needy and, you know, desperate for validation, throwing yourselves at people. But um, as you start to shift and change, so very often pe some people will, well, they just, they can't go along with it, you know, and you distance, you let go of that friendship a little bit. Sometimes they come back. Uh, but with this, I can't tell, like, do this and this and it's perfect steps. It's, we can give people tools, I think, to help them learn how to be themselves. But ultimately, you know, you're the only one on the planet who could be you. And, you know, you're never asked to do something you can't do. And I, I like trusting people. And even if you make a mistake, you made that mistake. And now you could learn from it. You know, don't be afraid to make a mistake just as long as you learn from everything. If you can get, be, you know, accepting of self, compassionate with yourself. A lot of people need to be granted permission, you know, so to speak. Yeah, you're allowed to be compassionate with yourself and then to really learn from things. Um, but I find that people will figure it out. They, they start to get it because you have to learn how to be you. And there's only one you. And so I can give you tools and advice and guidance, which is great what you do, because you give this whole kind of buffet of great ideas and tools. And the things that people are attracted to, great, go for it, try it out, use it. You know, There's a lot of trial and error in getting to know who we are. But that's why, you know, I, I, I want people to like know themselves and learn themselves and stand on their own two feet, you know, as soon as possible and fire me as fast as possible that they're able to just live and be themselves, you know, not need that support. Because I think we're meant to know how to be ourselves. Not that we never need support, but uh, so I can't give you a perfect, you know, first do step two, then step three. And that's, you know, it doesn't always go the way. And that's okay also. And then throughout our marriage and throughout our, our adult life, we'll always be um, hitting new situations and we'll always be needing feedback. It's not as if it's something that you do early on and then you're done because we're always I, doing new things. And there's so creating a, a culture of giving and receiving feedback in a safe and growing way is really important to set up your marriage that way. For sure. And then you go on to deeper levels. And then this sets you up for kids because the, the, the children that are sent to you are the perfect triggers of all the souls that could be your kids. There are these triggers. And what do your kids need primarily from this unconditional acceptance? Well, if you're still struggling to feel that about yourself, it will be hard to give that to your kid. So it's, it's, it's really, you get so much out of that one that, you know, working on self and then working on relationship with my, my partner that also sets me up then to really work well with, with my kids also. But it's never too late. So even if you have your kids, it's yes. still worth, worth working on yourself and your relationship. I have a client right now and she's, you know, her, she's a daughter, she's a teenager and she's, she's really has several areas of her life in which she's just not been accepted or validated as a kid. And for no reason, not, not her own fault. It was, you know, the, her father was really stuck. And then she married a partner who created the same exact dynamic. And then she brought that same energy in with her kids. And as she started to go inside and tune into this kid with breathing and this feeling chart and tuning in and naming the feelings, she started to take over. She also went through the book that I, I mentioned and really fire your parents and you take over as the parent, fire them, so to speak. 
but you take over validating yourself. She started to change the way she felt about herself, valid, unconditionally accepted. It started to come out, speaking up on her own behalf at work and her job changed, um, totally putting in healthy boundaries in her relationship. Um, navigating the relationship with the parents you know we can't change them but i can i can interact in a way that works for me and then she was able to give you know unconditional acceptance to her daughter and it totally changed her daughter did something totally you know over the line but rather than come full guns blazing it was like look what you did wasn't okay but i, I want to understand and tell me what's going on it was a totally different conversation and the relationship moved into like a whole other realm um, so it's never too late and i think that's a powerful lesson if you are in that position that you're older Think about, you know, we as parents, our job is to model kids, you know, life skills and what a beautiful life skill. It's never too late. You can always grow. You always take ownership, you know, never give up. I think it's, you know, it's, it turns into a, a plus instead of a negative. So as we wrap up, what would be a first step, not necessarily the only first step, but what would be something that we would start with? Breathe, feel the breath as much as possible. Get comfortable with tuning into yourself. And then start to wonder, what was I feeling during that interaction two hours ago, last week, with my boss, with my friend, with my spouse? What was I feeling? Because everybody listening to this will, will realize that most of the times they recount an interaction. They will say, you know, the dialogue that happened or the actions that happened. Great. It's all true. But I want to know what you were feeling during that. And, 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 or if I had a couple, so I want to know what each one was feeling during that interaction. And so breathe. And then start getting curious about it and realize that it's, when, when the alter ego says you're two, you really are two. There's an adult and a kid part. And, you know, start building. It's about building a relationship with that kid part. So breathe and tune in. Breathe and Trust tune yourself. in. And then you said, like, first feel and then deal. Like, really, the, the idea is to feel and get, mm -hmm. and get comfortable with feeling. The happy feeling, the positive right. feelings and the negative feeling. Because dealing is then I'm not feeling. I'm just jumping to dealing. And it looks so holy but I haven't just allowed myself to sit with the feelings. And this has been great. All right, so what's your awesome. website? Just throw it out there. Uh, I'm at zalmanelson.com, Z-A-L-M-A-N, and uh, or I'm reachable at uh, therapywithzalman at uh, gmail.com. Okay, thank sure. you so much for this. This has been very insightful. My pleasure, always and, good to talk to you. All right, thank you and good night. All the best.